You are listening to Revenue Machine, the podcast dedicated to revenue management in car rental. We have created it to enhance your genuine zone. I'm Emmanuel Scuto, the founder and CEO of WeYield and a revenue machinist. My ambition is to give knowledge and share experience in order to get inspiration. To do what? To reach a new level of performance, but also to have a better clarity and more freedom in the way you do your job every day. Let's go. Now we are in New Zealand. Hello, Alienor. Hi, Manuel. <laughs> to have you because right now it's 9 a.m. in Paris and it's 9 p.m. 9 p.m. <laughs> and we are in the middle of winter and you are in the middle of summer. <laughs> so that's the beauty of the techno and uh, that's that's uh, that's cool. Uh, the, the summer is nice right now in uh, in New Zealand or? Yeah, it's taking it's taking a long time to come through, but it's been really nice for two weeks. It's been I've been hiking in the past four days, um, hanging out on the beach, camping, and it's been what about thirty degrees in a day, so very nice. Oh yeah, oh yeah, thirty yeah. degrees. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. The problem is here, here in in Europe, it's it's extremely hot as well. There is there is no more snow. There was some snow that has been falling at the beginning of December. And now the people, they are really like skiing uh, on the grass. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the weather change, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I wanted to to have this, uh, this interview with you because uh, you are uh, one of a uh, very inspiring person for me. Uh, you are the, uh, you have the, uh, the, 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 Really, the, you are living the, the purpose of we yield to, to do, uh, which is to do our job, but in also to, to develop our freedom. And uh, uh, with your love about uh, nature, trails, uh, sailing, uh, and also in revenue management and revenue optimization on car rental, uh, I think it, uh, it's good to exchange with you and eventually to share some inspiration with our, uh, with our audience. So... As we start, can you introduce yourself? Who you are, uh, Alienor, and how old are you? What are you coming? Where are you coming from? Uh, can you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Eleanor. I'm 35. Um, I'll be 36 in a few months. And um, I live in New Zealand, but I was born in France. I grew up in France and I moved to New Zealand when I was 22. Um, 22, 20, no, 23. Sorry. So it's been 12 years since I've been here. Um, I yeah, so that's pretty much it. I'm uh, I'm into revenue management. Um, I've been in the car rental industry since 2015, so it's starting to be a long time now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, living um, living the life here, loving New Zealand, uh, the freedom it gives me, especially um, especially when um, talking outdoors. I'm, Um, I love spending time outdoors. Um, I'm a sailor, photographer, hiker, <laughs> mountaineer. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, um, what was your? Uh, because if you if you arrive in New Zealand at the age of 23, uh, it was just after your, um, your your studies or your your degree. What kind of? Yeah, correct. I was I was I was into a PhD in mathematics, um, and I left because I was unhappy. Um, I think France never really felt like home, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, 
Okay. And uh, and I wanted to go somewhere else. And I've, I've watched documentaries about New Zealand ever since I was a child. And, and I thought, like, this is the place. And so I travelled for six months with my best friend at the time and settled down in New Zealand and, and never looked back. So you, you travel, let's say, on the other side of the earth, exactly the opposite to France. Yep, the <laughs> further I could get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> And uh, why, what, why, why you said that you were following, a, uh, you were doing a PhD in mathematics. So all your studies have been along the, the mathematics. You, you fall in love with mathematics. At the... um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I've always loved science, but I've also been a creative because I was, I was acting back in Paris. Uh, I was into theater. Um, I've also played music as a child. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I, I went to moved to Paris when I was 17 to go to uh, prep school. Um, so for those of you who don't know how the French system works, it's basically two years of, of really, really hard um, learning <laughs> in oh, yeah. order to, um, to try and, and pass some um, tests to get into engineer schools. It's very uh, elitist. Um, Kind of everything I dislike, actually. But anyway, I went there, did my two years. And after the two years, uh, I, I was like, mm, physics is not my thing. Um, I'm definitely a mathematician. I, mathematics, pure math is like the philosophy of science. So it's it, it just, you know, it just um, digs into the creativity in me. Um, and, and yeah, I, f I felt more hall in math because it's creative um so i moved back to uni um where i went through um i went through and did my masters and then started a phd okay and and then if i look at your at your um at your curriculum and uh, at your um on your linkedin profile i've seen that you you started in the then the first job if i'm not mistaken was in the in the leisure industry so it's, yeah, correct. it's pretty yeah. far from it's pretty far from the from the mathematics uh we used to believe that leisure is much more like you know uh, 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 not really a scientific approach yeah how did you jump when... in this When I first came here, I wanted to work in, in the rugby field because I'm a big fan of rugby. But uh, I soon realized that it was a very small world here, <laughs> even smaller than it is in France. And, uh, and then looked for a job, met some uh, contacts, um, actually met people from the company I first um, started working for here in, in Laos, <laughs> funnily enough, so in Southeast Asia, um, uh -huh. and then came here, asked for a job. They gave me my first job in tourism, and um, I was still on a working holiday visa at the time, so I didn't have, um, I didn't have the rights to work in New Zealand um, forever. Um, and then I met my ex-partner, um, Moved to being a travel agent. I've done that for a few years in band travel um, travel agent for an inbound uh, tour operator, mm -hmm. um, and secured my residency and now citizenship. But uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a journey in tourism, really um, a long journey in tourism. I've pretty much done everything possible in tourism in this country, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and and. Uh... Is it during this uh, this first experience in the in the in the tourism and travel industry that you uh, 
you um, you were in contact with the revenue management. How how did you how did you started the the revenue management? Yes, yeah, so that's quite interesting because it really started in 2015. So um, I took a three month, um, so I quit a job. I took three months to think about what I wanted um, and really trying to find the right fit. And then uh, interviewed um, to um, for a position at Easy Car Rental. And the interview was with the general manager, Kate, at the time, and the, um, the director um, and founder of the business, um, Kevin. And they, yeah, they, they gave me a chance. So I felt that it was the right people, the right fit. Uh, and that's how I entered Carental. I was hired um, as a business development exec. Um, but really what happened was they were trying to get into dynamic pricing. And I basically had the task to do, to do it. So this, is, this was my, the first time that I, I you know, I've ever heard about revenue management. The first time I was in Carental, and I basically started um, the dynamic dynamic pricing for them from scratch. And three ah, but, months, uh, but, three but months core, later, I was a revenue manager. <laughs> okay, but the, the core of this business development executive was to do what, like the sales development, local, it inbound, what sales marketing, and so the department was so there was a sales manager. I was working for both him and the revenue manager at the time, Lee, um, and so basically supporting them um, in marketing, sales, and revenue management. And, and when you, how, how was the, the 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 pricing structure? Because you said that in 2015, the, the one of the goal was to implement the dynamic pricing. What was the the, the situation you found when you arrived at uh, at Easy at that time in terms of pricing? So it was interesting because um, we were just going through a big rebrand. Um, before that, um, there were two companies and they basically um, got dismantled and, and, and went too easy. One of the companies was called HB Car Rental and that company, that business was um, leisure based. It was uh, the pricing was not dynamic. It was pretty much set seasonal, but, you know, um, um, uh, set set uh, static pricing throughout the year based on seasons. And the other business um, nationwide was wholesale driven. So they were selling mostly to travel agents and partners. So there was no no leisure in that business at all. And and then we went to rebrand, completely rebrand to to something new, um, which turned out to be very leisure driven. Um, and very direct driven. Um, so yeah, so the pricing was was static basically. So nothing, no, nothing was there. Nothing was set. We, we started everything from scratch, <laughs> completely mm -hmm. from scratch. And cool. uh, is there any? Uh, was it any reason to go to the on the dynamic? Was it because of the of maybe some competitors in the current all eventually some some big brands? Like we used to call them, like Avis, Hertz, Yorka, uh, blah blah. Or was it mostly uh, due to uh, some approaches that uh, at that time the 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 owners have seen the hotel industry on the, in the airlines? How did it come in the in the head of the organization to move from a static to a dynamic pricing? I think it was a combination of of, of everything. You know, seeing how um, it's been applied in other industries, but also I think 2015 what was kind of the start of of um, dynamic pricing in the car rental industry here. Um, it had been happening in Europe for for a while, but um, but here I think it was a little bit, except from the big corporate brand, but the local independent brands were a bit 
um, a bit lacking in terms of dynamism, but it really started around around that time. In and the goal was really to to maximize revenue, and it was um, it was kind of obvious that we needed to be a bit, bit more dynamic and and start um, start start yielding and yeah, and playing playing with um, with the rights. And how did you tackle this subject? <laughs> because it was totally new for you. Uh, was. Did you add any any I don't know uh, um, uh, support from outside? Did you use? I did. A, I had you and and I had you and the other Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's right. So, so how how did, so you use some external um, uh, support? Like we had the chance to meet at that time together. That's right. Um, with Emmanuel De Bros and. Um, how can you can you can you summarize the the approach or how did you follow the various tracks or what was the roadmap at that time? Oh, it was all it was all uh, <laughs> a little bit up in the air to be honest. This was so long ago. Open the box that. of souvenir, you know, it's maybe oh, in the geez, dust. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, so it was interesting because at first, obviously, we didn't have we weren't working uh, with you guys to begin with. Um, so it was all manual and. You know, manual red shopping. Then you know it wasn't. It was dynamic, but not really dynamic to begin with. And then it was end. Attends, hold on. We have a problem of sound. Attends, hold on. Uh, the sound is cut. We don't hear you anymore. Ah. Ah. Yeah, you're back. Uh, yes. Okay. Can you can you start? You were you said that it was a manual red shopping at that time. Yeah, it was it was manual. Uh, I was just checking checking the prices, uh, what was going on out there, and then you know changing accordingly, looking at the utilization in our uh, car rental management software, um, and you know just just applying basic logic um, until until you guys came along and 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 helped us with the the first ver version of um, cocktail, which was. You know, an enormous amount of um, of, of, of PDF page pages. <laughs> I remember the first time I looked at it, I was like, "Whoa, okay, <laughs> that is painful." <laughs> I remember that, and honestly, on our side, you could not imagine how long it it, it took just to refresh oh, this. And I remember, I said when we were uh, in high season of New Zealand, when we were uh, uh, receiving a second email of Alienor, said, "Guys, I would like the report twice." In the week, I said, "Oh, we are in problem because it will use a couple of hours again to run and use only the, <laughs> the system uh, just for uh, that was a nightmare." Yes, I remember this PDF uh, report. Yes, yeah, yeah, but that's that's how it all started, and uh, Emmanuel Debros was uh, really helping me and helping us understand everything. And yeah, that was uh, that was the start of everything. Really, it was, it was pretty. It was a pretty exciting time, actually. <laughs> And 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 how did you manage then this this dynamic pricing? Because I don't know if your system, your operating system, or you so call it PMS, like a, like for the hotel, so the, the operating system you were using at that time, did this support any particular dynamism, or did you create some uh, some tables? I don't know in Excel or in TXT format to update prices because the dynamic yeah. pricing I think at that time was just maybe a kind of automation, but still process manually with some formula. Yeah, or? yeah, that's right. So um, Cast Plus did, um, so luckily with Cast Plus, you can download um, write tables and re-upload them uh, quite seamlessly um, 
in a portal or within within Casper. So that 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 made the uh, rate um, updates quite seamless. However, yes, I did have um, I did have uh, big Excel tables. We built macros and all sorts of things to make it work. Um, it was an ideal, but it was working at the time. To be fair, we didn't need to be as dynamic as as we would now. Um, you know, the market was still not super dynamic. We didn't have to have daily seasons or weekday. You know, like we, we could have longer seasons. Um, we didn't need to look at it um, or change the rates every day because no one was doing it yet. Um, so, so it was actually a nice, um, you know, nice, nice linear progression where, where you know, we, we weren't really um, missing out on everything, which we is growing with the rest of the industry. So it means that you were like leading the industry in terms of innovation at that time? Um, I'm not sure if we were leading because some corporates had better systems. I'm, I'm thinking Europe car probably. Um, I think we were leading the industry in terms of um, the thinking that was behind it in a sense that we were not, we were, we, you know, it was only me at the time, right? I didn't have a team. I didn't have anything. So it was only me doing it. And, and what the big PDF report was giving me is a chance to actually um, target my approach. You know, I wasn't looking at everything all the time. I was looking at what was needed. Um, and I think that was, that was key. Whereas if I look at big corporates, they were looking at everything all the time. So basically spending a, an immense amount of, of time in things that or not were not necessarily um, um, extremely um, efficient. So, so I think in terms of efficiency, we're definitely, definitely out there. And so it was in 2015, 16? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, um, did you measure any before and after impact? I mean, in terms of performance, so it can be a, a, a revenue performance, profitability performance, but also um, it can be for the. Uh, you were talking about efficiency, speed, uh, quality of analysis, mm. uh, forward thinking, these kind of things. What were the results you got? Maybe not the first year, eventually at the first year, but also on the uh, uh, a bit later as well. Even the first year was massive. You got to remember, we didn't really have anything to compare um, ourselves to because we we just went through a big um, rebrand, so we were fresh um, in the market. We were changing our fleet from old fleet to new fleet as well, so a lot of changes happening in all areas of the business. Um, and, and we grew very, very, very quickly. Um, um, and, and I think, I think revenue management, I mean, I know revenue management was a huge part um, of it. Cause we, we also moved, uh, we also move it to airport terminals in some of our locations. Um, so, so, you know, so, so much happened in the first couple of years. Um, there was never a dull time and, and the growth was absolutely phenomenal. We're growing, you know, over 20% year on year, um, for a few years there, it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. And if you can, if you could sort or, uh, of, um, let's say that some of the, uh, other clients we are working with, they, they really want to have, like I say, how much revenue I will, I will, I will increase just applying revenue management. And you were you were just saying that in fact uh, 
it's much more combination of different elements. It's a it's a way to look at the business more than really like uh, yes, with this I can generate uh, X euro extra or X dollar in New Zealand extra. Yeah. How would you? What is your your vision on that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, I you know, I never look at one area of the business independently. I, I don't think that's 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 the way to um, to have a very sustainable business. I think everything needs to be working together to to create growth. Um, I'm not saying that if you only you know, if you, if you get better tools and, and better visibility on your activity and, you know, better data and, and, um, and, and so on, you can largely improve your revenue by, you know, five, six, maybe 10%, depending on where you start. But if you start, if you look at all areas of the business, fleet, um, operations and, you know, um, and, and revenue management alike, but marketing as well and sales, that's how you grow um, exponentially. It's just when everyone works together that, that you achieve real um, sustainable growth. Uh, yeah, totally agree. I, I For the, the years I've, I've been spending, I mean, the, this, this um, revenue management for the last uh, 20 years plus now, and uh, I really see revenue management as, as a tower control also yes. to optimize, yeah. as you said, all, all the actions we have on the fleet, on the operations, on the marketing, on the sales, on the revenue. Uh, we can also say the revenue integrity, wherever on some right. step we lose some revenue, if some discounts are applied mm -hmm. when they should not, or if the guys at the counter, they can give a, 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 a discount to a, a client, etc. Um, what is your perception on that? Because you have a long experience now. To me, revenue management should be at the center of everything. <laughs> that's how I've, I've always done it um, as you said the tower the control tower we've got visibility on everything and you should be driving um, all of the decisions um, you know and and it's quite funny because it, it doesn't tend to happen this way I think there's still um, although it's it, you know it's more you know people see it as more important in industry I don't think they, they realize how important it is um, still and how critical it is to every every decision in the business and and often enough uh, whether it's an independent um, um, independent um, car rental uh, operator or um, an international one or corporate one they tend to silo everything and and usually what you see is you see operations and fleet um, directing the business and you see marketing and revenue management on the side and i think that's the biggest mistake um, every car rental business can make um, i've seen it when i was in several businesses you know trying to push to put you know revenue and marketing back um, at the center of it and the results are almost immediate when you start doing this it's yeah, you know, you look at, you know, you start talking uh, to everyone, you share your findings, you share where, you know, business is needed, where fleet is needed, um, when and where and what type of vehicles and, and things like this. And then operations and fleet just, you know, just have to basically try and do their best in, in providing that it always achieves the best, um, the best results rather than the other way around with them basically saying, oh, that's all we can get. That's what you're going to get. Um, and then we we left with, you know, doing the best we can with what we got. And, and you know, I understand that, you know, procurement can be tough, but but I do think that the conversation needs to needs to come from from revenue. Yes. 
Yeah, and I think this uh, what you're just pointing out regarding the fleet. You, in most of the of the of the companies, fleet is related to purchase or management, like repair, insurance, all these things. But the distribution of car, especially on the territory, right. is something that should be linked to revenue management because That's there right. is a a lot of money to generate, but also a lot of savings. Uh, instead Absolutely. of moving car from one place to another, eventually we can play with the price either to generate more revenue or to avoid these cars to move away uh, in one way. I know in New Zealand, you have a lot of one ways from north to south. Right. It's a kind of natural flow uh, and it's super complex. Uh, by the way, how, do, how, did you, how do you manage this in, in, in New Zealand, these uh, natural one ways? It's very simple. I didn't allow them or, or very few. <laughs> That's clear. <laughs> well, in business, you got to choose what business you want and what business you don't want, right? So if one um, one business is not profitable and is not working for you, don't take it. Take take everything else. <laughs> it's as simple as this. You you know, I had a high one way fee for all one ways. We had um, a concept called Ideal Fleet, which Casplus was doing very well, um, which basically allowed us to put a minimum and a maximum of each car categories we wanted in each location. So we were basically allowing movement um, for the fleet we wanted to move, but not not more or less. Um, and uh, yeah, so this way you you know you bring your relocation costs down, and um, not only the relocation costs, but the the admin uh, required in and putting the cars back on the road, um, and you maximize your revenue at each location. So it's I... simple; just don't take it if you don't want it. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That seems to be so obvious, but in a way, when we when we discuss with sometimes car rental operators, they are so afraid because they get this car and they said, but I cannot refuse to rent a car because this car is standing. And therefore, if I have one request, I should take it eventually, no matter the price, because the car will be on the road. But at the end, it will generate so many costs or, or unexpected or uh, um, yes prob problems for operations. It's better well, not to yeah, take I it mean, at all. I mean, to take an example of New Zealand, you got to, okay, so one typical, um, so let's let's start uh, by saying we've got two islands um, separated by the, the ocean, obviously, and there's a car ferry going from one island to the other. Most car rental companies don't allow cars on the ferry. Reason um, being um, their procurement, um, often enough, is very... Um, very inflexible and basically um, the cars that buy in, in one island need to be defleted in, in one island. We didn't do things like this. We could deflete pretty much wherever we wanted with some restrictions, um, but basically that, that's how it works. So we, we were allowing cars on the ferry. Funnily enough, now that um, my friend Lee um, is in Evie's budget, and they're now allowing cars on the ferry. So they changed the strategy and they made significant um, savings and changes there. So when you allow a car on the ferry, one typical route would be Auckland to Christchurch. So the cars get dumped in Christchurch and then you need to bring them back. Mm -hmm. Bringing a car back from Christchurch to Auckland costs $500. Oof. Right. So pre-COVID, let's say average, um, I mean, it could be higher, obviously, depending on the type of vehicle, but average RPD would be about maybe 55, 60. Um, so let's say it's a 15-day rental. That's like 900 bucks. 
and then you need to lose um, 500 to bring the car back. That's not profitable. So we were adding a one-way fee to begin with, but even the one-way fee wasn't really covering the cost of putting the car back on, on the truck or um, else. So yeah, that's, that's business that can be profitable, um, but not always. Anyway, anyway. And um, then you said, um, if we come back to the part of the automation, um, you said that um, you were doing things pretty um, manually, thanks to, to Thermion, to Cars Plus. Thermion at that time was the name of the company. I think it's Valsoft, or maybe I think they changed also the name. I don't remember, but that's in the, the um, operating Thermion, system. Yeah, Thermion still exists. Um, Valsoft is the um, company that owns them, yeah. Okay, well, so Cars Plus is still the name of the operating system anyway. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, uh, were you requesting some some new change in the system in order to support maybe more dynamism, or eventually the way you were handling it at that time was enough? And uh, uh, as you said, because the mar the market was not dynamic enough. Um, I think it was fine. I think when uh, when we we really needed to become extremely dynamic, then we moved to um, margin fuel um, in order to be able to to do um, updates at scale, and that was a game changer. So you know, moving from Excel to um, to a system that does everything for you um, based on the strategies you input. That was that was uh, that plus obviously working with uh, with Wield and having all the visibility visibility in the world to analyze and and change your strategies was was paramount. So it fixed it. What you what you mean is in fact so then based on the experience you got after all these uh, first uh, years of experience and 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 then you you said okay now. Is it the time to structure it and to define strategies and rules and try to make mm. it um, as automatic as possible? This yeah, is pretty much. Of, I mean, Martin Fuel yeah. or the other operating system that or the other system that do this automatic uh, yeah. rate strategy. Yeah, pr pretty much. I mean, the good thing about Margin Fuel is like you know we can change the strategies and we 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 push the button. It's not fully automated. Um, well, I I didn't want it to be fully automated. I wanted full control. Me and my team wanted full control, but but um but yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, Excel is a fantastic tool, but um, it cannot really handle a lot of uh, data. <laughs> and the data required to um, price at a very granular level, I'm thinking um, we had um, weekly and week um, weekdays and weekend seasons. But, uh, you know, if you take it one, one step forward and you have daily seasons for one price every day, at least for the next month or two months where, you know, the lead time... Um, um, and the, the booking period, um, the booking prices, um, you could not do that on Excel. I mean, you'll, you'll be spending your days on it um, and you have to break it down, you know, week by week to just manage the data. Um, so, so having something like this was, was absolutely brilliant. Um, and also taking all, obviously, the, 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 the red shop into it. So you could benchmark of whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. And, um, so, so that was the first, the first step. Um, and then they introduced their forecast, which took everything one step further. So instead of, you know, pricing to current utilization, we started pricing to forecast and it'd be a little bit smarter. So instead of, you know, um, instead of maybe starting there to price for Christmas, which is the busiest time of the year, we're starting there because we knew that we were going to be busy. And then it was just, 
you know, oscillating and moving um, as demand, um, as the demand forecast would, would move, you know, up and down. And they made significant gains in terms of RPD and, and um, um, yeah, in terms of RPD and, and therefore profitability. It was absolutely brilliant. That, that's, that's really interesting what you're saying regarding the forecast because um, as we are overlooking the, the market and we have a, a pretty wide um, a set of clients coming from north to south of the world, east to east, with a Europe-centric, sorry, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's still east to, to west no matter where you are. I, I see that people, they would like to move to a demand forecast. They expect this. But then as soon that they, they see some, some um, let's say, results, they either do not accept it or they do not trust it. Or eventually they have the difficulty to imagine that the machine can do better than them. Mm-hmm. And I'm really yes. facing this, this kind of uh, uh, difficulty. While for you, it seems to be so obvious. Do you think it's because of your mathematical background that you are more... Uh, Maybe. more capacity to have to to <laughs> digest the abstraction and uh, to trust the figures and the computation um yeah i mean i mean the, the good thing about a forecast though and when when you start pressing to a forecast it kind of takes care of itself right because if it over forecasts then um two days later the demand is you know your price is going to be set high because the forecast is really high and then two days later you're not going to get any momentum any business so you know, the forecast will drop because it doesn't see, you know, demand coming in, right? And therefore, your price will come down. And, and then, it, you know, so, so it kind of takes care of itself. So whether the, it's, it's, I think the problem with forecast is that people expect it to be the target, but a forecast is not a target. A forecast is just an indication of demand at an instant T. It's valid only at the time it's populated. It's not valid tomorrow. It wasn't valid yesterday. And I think that's very, very important. Yes. <laughs> and no- <laughs> I'm so happy you say that because as soon as you sit and you take a decision, the forecast will be wrong by essence because you are influencing the market by your decision. So exactly. uh, the weather forecast you cannot influence because it's not because you take your umbrella or not that it will change the rain or the sun. However, on the demand, there is a multiple factor, which eventually is not you, but the market as well. And there is mm, multiple right. factors that can influence it. So I think, yes, somebody, you know, in our, in our tools, we do a, a, a demand forecast accuracy. And people are super happy to say, oh, you are at 95, 96%. Yes, but it's not the core. It's just an That's indicator. Right of, okay, do you trust that the future will be in that direction? Do you want to uh, play your pricing or your inventory control that that way or not? That's that's so good what you just said. Thank you for these words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, know? yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's interesting when obviously you're talking about forecast accuracy, because whether it's you or margin fuel, everyone who's producing a forecast, they, they look at accuracy because, Mathematically, you don't want to be way off, but I, you know, I tend not to talk about it at all because it doesn't matter where, where it's like um, 98% accurate or 95 or even 93% accurate. The, the, what matters is the trend. <laughs> you know, that's all. That's all I care about, um, and that's all we should care about is the, is the trend because that allows you to not only plan fleet ahead of time and where fleet should be. 
um, but also also price accordingly. And um, and then you know, however you want to influence that forecast with your pricing strategy is up to you and to the goals of the company. You know, whether you want to push for high utilization or for high RPD or a mix of both. You know. Sometimes with fleet procurement, you may not want to put every car on the road, and you know that that becomes the company um, goal. The forecast is just here to support your decisions. That's that's all it's there for. Yeah, and to compute, I would say much more combination that manually or yes. uh, with your yeah. one brain, you cannot you cannot that's check right. all the duration bands, all the stations, all the car groups, all the market segments okay. at once. Uh, we are talking. Ten thousands, or eventually hundreds of thousands, of computation every day, which That's is impossible right. for an it horizon I don't know of thirty days out or sixty days out. Nobody can do it. Uh, no. So that the computation is good for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big, I'm, I'm big with IT tools. You know, I, I believe that you know human brains are very powerful, but you know we cannot do everything, and we need to use AI, machine learning, and all the two tools to help us make better decisions. They're not here to replace us; they're just here to to help us make better decisions. Absolutely, and, and not waste our time in you know spending countless of hours on Excel. I mean, this is so 1990. You know, <laughs> we gotta evolve. <laughs> And I think you had, uh, with the, the super strong lockdowns you had in New Zealand, because the country was totally, let's say, isolated, uh, really closed, um, the system anyway will take days in order to compute the demand trend that suddenly it falls down. When for you as a human, you know it because they are talking about it for the next, the, I don't know, two weeks before, one week before, a couple of days. So you know exactly that at the D-Day, Something will change, and nobody will enter in the country anymore. That's right, and and that's that's again that's another thing that's interesting with the forecast, right? Like in a when trends are pretty steady, it's super useful. But obviously, when there isn't even like an earthquake or you know a volcano blowing up, yes, I'm talking about New Zealand. It happens all the time, but you know it could happen in Reunion Island the same way. Um, although actually, funnily enough, for them it would spark business. For us, it would just kill it. Um, <laughs> Uh, or COVID, um, obviously the forecast cannot see that um, and cannot adapt quickly enough. So, you know, again, it's just a tool for you to use, but it's not, it's not the, uh, it's not the Bible. Um, you know, sometimes some events um, make it that you know it's not usable, and that's fine. You know, you just, you can just um, revert back to using current utilization or changing strategy altogether. And what kind of um internal um, communication or cooperation you developed within the company uh, to make sure that at the revenue management tower control, as you said, uh, mm -hmm. you have all the informations um, to take the, the best in brackets or the, 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 the least worst uh, decision possible. Um, did you develop some particular relationship with the different um, departments? Do you put in place some regular, I don't know, year meeting or eventually fleet meeting, distribution meeting, this kind of thing? What what kind of organization did you put in place in your uh, current old experience internally? So it really depends on the on the company, right? So it, with independent car rentals, it's much easier to talk together. So you know, um, weekly or biweekly. Um, senior management meetings, but then it was very fluid. We were always talking. Um, 
and 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 I think there was that direction from 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 Kevin from the direction as well that um, you know we were all working together with one goal it was never siloed um we were always communicating but yes our weekly or bi-weekly meetings are extremely important if you don't have that ease of talking to each other um you know i'm, I'm thinking about uh corporate entities uh, corporate um current all operators i mean you know they have uh, or i used to have um uh, pricing meetings or revenue management meetings with everyone um, so they can understand the trends and, and things like this. But I think it's also important to um, to get into the um, the operations meetings as well when the operations um, manager talks to the staff around the country. I think it's very important to get five minutes in there or ten minutes and tell them what they can expect for the next month or two. Um, just to open their horizons as well, because they tend to to look at um, the week to come, but not really the month ahead or things like this. So it's you know I, I like to um, to give as much information as possible to everyone. And then tools like we yield, obviously, um, platforms like we yield help a great deal because you can give everyone access to certain um, um, certain reports, certain um, um, modules and apps, and and that that makes a huge difference so everyone can actually look and come to you and question some things and i really like that <laughs> uh, yeah that's funny because some companies not so many but few are still they want to protect the, the you know the, the the data sharing the 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 access to information while at the operation at the station manager area manager those guys should be aware of that that's they don't right. need to go into the details of uh, how you can do the pri dynamic pricing, but just to give them a kind of light. Okay, next week will be green or orange or red, these kind of things, you know, because they can eventually act on their staff, uh, on yeah. their, I don't know, this kind of, they have many leverages also that will come at the end, an optimization of re of the revenue or the cost Well, side. they do. And, and that's why I think it's very important as revenue managers or revenue people to talk to them um, frequently because they are um paramount to revenue generation in terms of selling um upgrades and um, insurances and all kind of ancillaries and ancillaries make up for so much for 20 or 30 percent of revenue so and sometimes more so it is critical to keep talking to them um, I do understand sometimes why companies do not want to give them access to too many things because they want them to focus on you know getting cars out and talking to the staff rather than being on the computer analyzing things. So I, I can understand that part, but it is still important to talk to them, you know? Yeah. And I was, I was recently in a, in a trip where I've, I've realized that some of the stations are in charge of the, of the manual red shopping. And simultaneously, when you look at the, at the level of, of, uh, advice you know the the google notes or this kind of thing they are very uh, low rating like we are talking two out of five or 2.5 out of uh, out of five and and i was wondering guys operations you should take care about customer and service and fleet they don't that it's not their job to collect prices on the competition that's right <laughs> that's what's funny to see a kind of like you are not in your perimeter of expertise here Leave this to a machine or somebody else and focus on your customer and uh, the, the, the quality of service, the loyalty, uh, etc. 
That's right. And funny enough, though, if we're talking about customer experience, actually, that 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 is a huge part of revenue management as well. Because if if you don't have good experience, that's like the customer experience and the NPS score is as a direct correlation with our ability to yield. So it's all linked together. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So now, if we are moving forward, then uh, I, I don't remember exactly uh, when, but I think you move from uh, uh, these independent capital companies to a corporate one. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it was Europe Card that time. Um, Correct. Yeah, it was. Europe and Card what was how was the, the the switch or the change you you have seen uh, by moving to a, a small independent and local to a big corporation? Uh, Leaded and, and driven by uh, the European uh, HQ, so eventually it was your uh, Australia, New Zealand, right? Was it? It was Australia, New Zealand. So the main head office was in Australia, and we had a small head office in New Zealand. So not everything was being done in New Zealand to begin with. Um, it was pretty challenging, to be honest, with someone like me um, <laughs> who's who's used to you know making decisions and changing things, and you know, and that, that's that's what I excel at. You know, I'm, I, I like to shake things up and and make changes. And I arrived in this big entity where every change every change you could make would take forever or not happen because you needed to go, you know, to go plus one and then plus two and then, you know, go to Paris and then ask for like, yeah, my, 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 my um, thought was all ask for forgiveness later, but you know, it doesn't always go well. Um, <laughs> but, no, it, it was fine. Actually. It was, it was a very good experience. It was very interesting to see how, because it was actually my, the first time I, um, I saw how they were doing in in, in a you know massive corporate entity, um, and and I've learned a lot from that experience. Um, I also ran away from it as soon as I could, but um, <laughs> but, but without, it was it was very enlightening. Yeah, without breaking any any confidential part. Huh? Uh, uh, what was the uh, you were talking about the 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 difficulty of. Of communication, let's say, or sometimes the yeah. the fact that the communication is super slow because you need to refer to the n plus one, n plus two, n plus n. Uh, what did you see, maybe in terms of of tools, maybe in a, because they have a, a super um, big mainstream operating system called Greenway, which is certainly totally what? different from Cars Plus. Uh, mm -hmm. Eventually, also the the kind of optimization, the tool they use for revenue management. What did you see and um, what it was, was, it the, was like, the honestly the, did you see was, the uh, advantage for example um because of this big corporation compared to an independent uh, operator honestly i don't think there is an advantage i think it's all it's the other way around i think i think big machines like that they they have lost um the capacity to change easily because of the structures um because of the structure it's also every department is also very siloed um and i think the biggest problem with big corporate entities like that as well is like they push tools um you know they have their own tools for so greenway which we all know it's outdated um, <laughs> um they push their all revenue management tools which was at the time pretty inexistent it was it was starting to um to be built up so we were working on excel right so for me it was like a drawback right i was like back years ago and i was like working on excel didn't have visibility on activity whatsoever and greenway doesn't really give anything so i started building my own reports um a little bit like the 
you know, big PDFs uh, <laughs> that we started with. Not not as cheese. Um and um yeah, so we did uh, we did a bit of that. I uh, did a bit of that um because I needed I needed um visibility. And there was this thing when I first entered, there was like weekly pricing meetings with the team in Australia and uh, the director in Australia. And what they were doing, like I, I nearly laughed at the first meeting actually, because what they were doing is going through the right, what they call the red shop, which is basically red shops and then the price decision sort of strategy. And they're going, they were going through that line by line saying, mm, that's good, mm, that's good. Mm, oh, we should be 20 cents less here, not 10 cents less. And it was like completely inefficient. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> and I started shaking things up and just speaking up as like, well, guys, uh, I know you've been doing this forever, but that, that's going to stop. So we're going to look at the reports I'm going to build. So I built an activity report and last seven days and, you know, seeing the trends. Um, and we're going to stop looking in the next four weeks. We're going to start looking in the next 12 months. <laughs> and um, yeah, so so that was uh, that was interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was very interesting. Do you think and then it's we because started of... having, sorry. Yep. No, please, please go, continue, please. No, I was saying then, then we started having tools um, from, from head office in Paris. Uh, it was the, the very start of um, Optica and, uh, and, and to be fair, it wasn't working very well at the time. We were all very frustrated with it. Um, um but uh but you know they they did improve some things with it um there were some really big problems with uh, greenware anyway so it was it was a challenge it was very challenging i mean you know to to their um to be fair to them it was very challenging to try and improve a system that is so outdated anyway <laughs> um and yeah i mean it was Optica wasn't wasn't bad. It was just a little bit clunky, but it gave. There's so much information in it. Probably too much, actually. But there's the the amount of information they put in it and the thought process um, was actually the right one. I think the implementation from an IT perspective was was lacking, but the the thought the the thoughts behind um, behind Optica and um, and all the systems were was actually you know spotless. That's, I think the implementation uh... wasn't. You, you know, we are we are kidding about about a Greenway uh, outdated system that has been built in the '90s. So we are talking like prehistoric in terms of IT. Huh? Oh, uh, with a code that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the company Perot who, who built it, I think, is not existing either. I, I, I know. Uh, but if you look also uh, at a wider uh, spectrum, I mean, um, Wizard is the same for AVG for ABG yeah. Group. It has been yeah. built the same way. Uh, uh, Cobra from Six seems to be very good. Oh, it's, it's because it's Mr. Six who is controlling it, and it's uh, something on which they have the full control. But uh, no, it's worse actually because it's been built without revenue management in it. It's been built for a business that was um, in Germany and most countries in Europe. They do um, eighty percent B two B. So actually, um, they don't. This Cobra and they do not understand dynamic pricing, and there's lots of problems with it. They cannot update a lot of um, a lot of rates at once, and and things like this. It's it's actually it's actually problematic. But it's because it comes it comes from a business that had a very different strategy, and they were not involved with leisure. Um, exactly. They're still not really involved with leisure, to be fair. <laughs> well, they, they can't uh... with the system. <laughs> 
And there is also this uh, 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 project one from, from Earth that we have been uh, talking about, I don't know, last five or six years. They are still not released. And I remember they should be released for franchises in 2019. We are in 23 okay. at the time we record, December 22 exactly, to be precise. And uh, still it's not in air. So I'm still wondering why those big companies they just want to have one system controlling everything while now the agility would require more to have like some tools that are good in some particular domain and to integrate these tools via API. And then if you are not happy with your pricing tool to change it because in next five years, a a guy from the garage, two students may invent something super smart and then you cut it and you, you add the new one. It's still, they are still working like in the very stone age approach uh, to to IT uh, that's uh, you're, you're right but they're, they're not IT companies and 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 that's that's the problem I think um, they don't they just don't understand it at all you know I'm, I'm looking at one um, parental management system um, based in Australia called parental manager and uh, rental car manager sorry and uh, it may not be it may look a bit basic and it may not be the best for some things like fleet management however They've got the ability, they've got the best API I've ever seen for a current management system. And um, and therefore you can plug anything onto it. Um, and they're really, really agile in developing new things. And and I, you know, for a system that looked so old to begin with, but they've really caught up and opened up um, their, their platform so everyone can plug it, you know, and if you're like, um, Margin fuel, you plug in directly to it. Margin fuel holds the data, the right tables, and actually, you know, rental car manager, um, rental car manager goes and picks up the right whenever there is a request. Absolutely, how brilliant is that? It's that's exactly the that same way as. Yeah, that's exactly the same way as Green Motion is working. Uh, they have that's their right. tool called Fuse Matrix, which is outside, totally off wheels. Wheels is the operating system, and they just receive a new URL with all the information of the reservation name duration car and rate codes and price that has been has been decided at the time of the quotation and yeah. that's it so absolutely i think uh, this agility uh, give much more possibilities to the to the current instead of ah oh, no i cannot update more than x thousands of rates per day i'm talking greenway because i was a uh, green blood at that before <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. then you are stuck and 90% are reserved to the corporate country. So when you are a franchisee, ah, sorry, you need to send your Excel spreadsheet to, to Lisbon. Yeah, oh, it takes yeah. two to three days. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> two, three days in revenue management, it's like a, 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 an history. It's too late, man. It's yeah. too late. I mean, you just you just have to compromise, right? So, and it's uh, it, and it's painful, and all of them work this way. I mean, um, Hertz is a little bit better. I think RUM is a little bit better, but it does have some load um, issues as well. And uh, you know, they just yeah, I, th- I think they don't think um, right from an IT perspective, and they've developed those you know those tools in house or um, with, with third parties with no one. Um, qualified enough from an IT perspective in-house to drive the project in a, in a 21st century mode, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. And it's, yeah. it's re- it really is a shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, also, if we go back to Opticar from, from, from uh, um, uh, Europe car, you were saying something regarding the fact that the system has been maybe 
was int the, the the way it has been developed was smart, but then the number of detail they have input, it's like they wanted to control everything. Yeah. They, and so it, it creates most kind of monster that nobody wants to use because it's too That's much right. detail to input to make it work. Was it right? Was it this kind of... Um... 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and it, it really is a shame because the, the thinking behind it was right. It's just the implementation wasn't and it just required so much brain power to get into it, to enter all the necessary details and actually understand what was given back that nobody wanted to use it. And, and it's been it's been the greatest failure, to be honest. That's strange because, you know, whether I was at your car, like in 2000s, they were making the same with the RCRMS, Rental Car Revenue Management System, that has been bought for a huge amount of money. And they asked me to implement it, but that it has been designed without any requirement from sales guys on various like uh, leisure, corporate replacement, and all these guys without the operation involvement. And after a couple of years of no use at all, we had to unplug. And then you are telling me with Optica, or like 20 years afterwards, or eventually 15 years afterwards, uh, it has been the same. That's right. I think I think the main problem here is that um, there is that maybe pride that they want to they want to build their own system, right? Because nobody offers everything we want. Well, guess what? Nobody will ever offer everything you want, but you got to choose. You know, the 90 percent. Over, over trying to do 100% and fail. And, and, and that's it with IT, right? Everything you choose in IT, there's always going to be some compromise, but is that compromise better than, you know, your million dollar failure or, <laughs> you know? It, yeah, so it's just about changing that thinking, you know? And, and I think as well um, that in, in, in a lot of ways, what they think existing systems can't give them um does is not necessarily necessary i think it's their own strategy of way of thinking about um the business and car rental that is perhaps outdated as well and 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 instead of questioning why they do um certain things and why they want certain things they just they just push to want it but they should question why they do they should question why do you want this why do you actually want this and why is it that you do it this way you know, is it because of green ray limitations? Is it because you own limitations and, and so on? So it's, it's just that thing that is missing, the questioning of why do we want to do that? And also it's uh, eventually, um, why are you afraid to implement these kind of rules? Maybe you don't want to change the, 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 the market situation, the way you work with car replacement, the way you work with brokers, the way you work with store operator. Everything is so, let's say, how uh, can I say it's not e easy for me in English, but like it's driven but, by fear. Yeah. It is you driven know, by fear. Yeah. That oh, eventually, if we do this, how the 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 the, the market will react, and therefore uh, it's better not to do it and try to eventually look at the way uh, the, the 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 offsite parking costs and how much it will cost to drive a car from the main parking to the offsite parking, and then we can integrate it into our pricing model decisions. Mm. What? I mean, <laughs> we are looking such a teeny problem. Eventually, operationally wise, it can be impacting, it can be impactful. But 
in terms of revenue management, we are not talking like the big picture. It's not this that drives you everyday decisions. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But they are changing. I mean, they, they are changing. I've seen, I mean, um, they have great people in, in a team in Paris and, you know, things are changing a little bit, not just them. You know, I see Hertz as well. They are, they're opening up a little bit and, you know, they, they, I think, I think what COVID did is like, it kind of showed um, everyone that, you know, they can't, they can't stay where they are um, and, and allow them to question some things, some, you know, sometimes better than, than others. But I, I think it did help um, opening up um, that IT, um, that IT um, conversation a little bit. I can see some changing happening. I don't know how, um, how good they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to go through with it. But, you know, they're all thinking about it anyway, um, perhaps more than they ever had. Yeah. Maybe the, the, yes, the, the COVID was an electroshock. We say that in, in English? Yeah, yeah, electroshock? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're right. Yeah. And then when you um, see, you know, systems like Wheels who have been stealing market share all over the place in, in the past three years, I mean, that should be a wake-up call for everyone else as well. <laughs> absolutely. Because they have this agility of answering and, and also dedication to answer basic questions to their customer. That's right. And they make it very smart. I think they are yeah. super efficient on that. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. When you, something also that drives you a lot in terms of personality and the, the way we are, we are, we, we, we are uh, friends together is also your, uh, your passion about nature and your freedom. And I think, I mean, something that was always amazing and uh, also uh, um, I'm very, um, surprised but i mean in a positive way it's like your balance in life versus your job and also the ability to to um, keep some time freedom <laughs> to 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 express to live your life uh via sailing nature photography as you said trailing and uh um how did you manage that because you are still young it's not maybe easy every every day to to do this in terms of uh, eventually in terms of revenue way of life etc but you are super strong i think in this huh how do you manage that yeah it's it's um well it's it's vital if i don't have this my mental health is not good so <laughs> so so it, it is it is a vital thing i think um just to begin with, I don't work for an outdated French company, and you guys are very different at Wheeled. So, um, you know, that's why I'm saying outdated French company or European company. You know, in New Zealand, thing, you know, the work life balance is very important, um, uh, mostly around family. I don't have a family, and I don't want one, but, um, but, but, you know, family and your life matters here more than most places in the world so i think i think that's the starting point but yeah i i am moved by freedom freedom is is extremely important to me um freedom to be who i want to be freedom to do what i want to do <laughs> um and and yeah i do spend a lot of time outdoors and it is extremely vital for me um yeah, I, I, you know, every weekend I'm active. I'm acting during the week. Um, I'm active during the week as well. And every chance I get um, to get outdoors, I do it. So, you know, when I'm employed, I start work early in the morning. I stopped, uh, stop working early in the afternoon. Um, and then I go outdoors sailing or hiking or just, you know, 
sitting on a beach, reading a book, <laughs> whatever works. Um, but I think it's important. Uh, you know, we spend 90% of our time, maybe 90% is exaggerating, ex but 90% um, of, our, of our time at work, it's too much, you know, um, it's way too much. And, you know, we can be passionate about what we do, but can we really be passionate about what we do every single day, every single hour of the day? I don't think so. <laughs> um, you know, and um, and it's important to take care of our mental health. It's important to take care of ourselves and do whatever we like. And for some people, it's watching a movie. For people like me, it's just being active and, and have the adrenaline going. <laughs> but you, you said that uh, you take any chance to do it um as far as i know you it's not a question of change it's really a decision of organization so you you structure yeah, your yeah. day your week your months yes, whatever your constant. life according to that it's it's much more you have really kind of a of a purpose and a, your why is really to balance it and so yeah. you decide to do it right yeah absolutely work is not number one in my life <laughs> you no. know it's um it's not number one number one is me and my mental health and my activities because that's what makes me happy um and yes i do structure and sometimes it's hard because i've got a lot of different passions between photography pool dancing who have you know that taken on um six months ago uh so i train three times a week i i sail one, twice a week at least well, once a week for sure sometimes twice or three times depending um i do weekends away um to go hiking and sleep in huts and the mountains um you know so yeah it's busy <laughs> it's very busy um, but I do, I do plan ahead. I book flights when they're really cheap, um, and yeah, I, yeah. And then I don't give excuses. I just do it. <laughs> and do you think that uh, also techno uh, can help you to achieve that? Because you may save or organize your 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 uh, working time in a better way. Absolutely. Uh, because if you do like manual rate shopping or manual uh, rate loading, what whatever, that's consuming a lot of time. So you cannot be free. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> couldn't agree more. First of all, um, it is not um, very valuing <laughs> to be doing manual things at work. Okay, nobody likes it. Uh, let's face it. And when we do it, we don't like it. So trying to remove all those tasks which are really impairing on our brain function let's be fair uh, is very very important because it doesn't only make us love a job more but it also creates that time to um, think strategize or do other activities in your private life so it is critical to have those tools and uh, you know the purpose of we yield is really to to work in agility together, like with our clients, we do not pretend to have the, the, the knowledge with a big K and, and have the truth uh, in order to, to have more freedom, more freedom okay. to do something else. And eventually, if it's to work more, that's okay. If it's to be to have more time with your family and for yourself, eventually, that's okay. Uh, that's really what drives us. And uh, you are a, a, a good... Uh, Concretization. I don't know if we said it in English. I mean, a good uh, <laughs> translation of this 
in a, in yeah. the real life it's not like a, a, a motto you know it's something that yes can be can be adapted i, I recently um please yes yeah it, it is um it is difficult though because a lot of people cannot let um let um control get away from them in order to do that you need to you know to to let go of everything because when you start to think about businesses this way you know like um develop a business in a sustainable way you also and and use tools and and it and and, and everything you're making yourself yourself redundant as well in some ways so there is a risk factor here which you know arguably the, the right employer will never see you as redundant for you know for doing exactly what they expect of you but some companies may or you know and um you know when adversity comes like covid or whatever well you know you'll be gone because you you know you put all the systems in place and really even though um you can help the business recover more quickly well you know it will run because of all the systems you have in place it will run enough so mm. there is a risk there and a lot of people are not willing to let that go but me i'm you know although I have been made redundant <laughs> before and due to COVID, I'm actually proud of what I have achieved there. And I didn't always feel like this, but now I do. Um, I'm proud that I set that business this way so they could operate without me. So there, there is, you know, yes, I've lost my job, but maybe I would have lost my job if I hadn't done that anyway. So <laughs> who knows? But um, but the fact is, I made that business more sustainable because of it, and that's something to be proud of. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I've recently signed with a, a client in Morocco, and and Anas, who is the, the the CEO and founder of the company, approached me and he said, um, you know, Emmanuel, I've been doing this revenue management for my company. Uh, it's a 1,000 car company, um, independent. I've been doing it for the last years and I'm fed up. I just want to have more free time in order to do um, uh, wing foiling and, and kite surfing and stuff like that. And I said, it's super good. This is the first time I hear from the, 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 the scope of the first conversation, you know, that the guy wants to move more in automation and revenue management Brilliant. to have more time personally for him. And uh, it's not that that common, except coming from you and from Anas, this guy, uh, <laughs> to have this uh, clear vision and, uh, and and clear why we are doing things. And uh, it's mostly the difficulty I have with some some companies to say, why are you in this business? What do you want to achieve? Why are you there? What is your main goal? Right. Not to increase the RPD by one euro. What is the, the role of your organization? What do you want to do in the future? And, you know, we talk about our private lives, but, you know, if we, if we think about uh, business, as I mentioned as well, it's all about making the business more sustainable and, and, and viable long-term long as well. So these tools are not just, you know, to give you time for your freedom, but um, also makes the business so much stronger. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just don't. Um, but but you know, it's just human beings. Um, or you know, they, most most people are not really in touch with their emotions and their needs anyway. And I think that's the main problem. And it, you know, they're they're driven by fear, as you mentioned, for for most um, for most of them. And that just takes away from you know um, from, from from them being able to make sound um, decisions, really. Yeah. 
Uh, and also with the, the volatility or the uncertainty of this world now, because uh, I think there was always um, um, uncertainty in the past. It's not like it is a new now. The, the new thing is the speed of this that may happen extremely uh, fast and also with the, the impact on the climate that has a, 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 that is accelerating also. Right. And maybe we'll have more. We had one volcano in Europe that was a big disaster for a couple of weeks at that time. Come, you remember this volcano from Iceland that blocked all the traffic, yeah. but then the uh, financial crisis and then the stock exchange and then the war and, and then uh, uh, COVID and then the impact on industry and delivery of cars and producing of cars. Now we have Ukraine war with the which are super expert in, in the cable wiring. I didn't know that, that Ukraine was like of the leading country to, 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 to build and, 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 and bend the cables to put in the mm. car. But if you don't have the, the cables in the car, at the beginning of the car, you cannot produce anything at all because then you have yep. the structure, the frame, you put the cable, and then you start the rest. <laughs> if you have not the cables at, at once, at the beginning, it's, it's, it's totally stopped. But we had this with the chip over the last two that's years. That's right, we did. That's the, and that was the, the cables yeah. and eventually it will be the metal and then will be what else? Which probably comes from U Ukraine as well. So <laughs> there we go. Exact, exact. So this volatility and uncertainty is coming um, much quicker. And as you said, in terms of business, having more automation is also a way to make it more sustainable, but at least to have a vision of eventually what will going to happen in your business for the next couple of months ahead. Yeah. You said at the beginning that uh, you are you were looking at 12 months ahead with your car, not the next months. Well, I mean, at again. the moment, uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's complicated right now because everything changed because of COVID. So, I mean, I still look, you know, I would still look 12 months uh, ahead. But really what matters is the next three months. That, that's that's. Absolutely. You know, beyond beyond that, there's nothing happening. Um, but it is important to keep the habit of looking um, forward because um, if you don't, you're going to miss um, out on some new trends or something that is happening that you haven't seen. So it's, you know, it, it takes 10 seconds to look 12 months ahead, um, but it is important to keep it in the, in the habit. Yeah. What was the the... If you if you can go backwards now, what what was your your big failure or your big success? You are you are super super proud of, and I mean failure also also because it's a way to learn for me. So uh, eventually it can be hurtful, but uh, uh, it can it can hurt. But what's the big failure you have it for you or the big success? Yeah, it's a hard one, failure, because I don't <laughs> actually... No, it's because I don't actually think about things as failures. So <laughs> um, I think of them as learnings, I suppose. Um, I think I think my biggest failure is, is happening right now, to be honest. Um... <laughs> All right, okay. Oh, it's just, it's taking, just... uh, being a, uh, having decide something that you are not happy about that could be this kind of uh, yeah yeah look it's been fast. it's been two difficult years with covid after the redundancy and starting my own my own business starting to work for myself um which arguably has been my biggest success um but but i've, I've let that go not completely but uh, to to take a full-time job again and yeah I'm, I'm sort of regretting it at the moment um 
so so I'm a little bit lost and I don't know how that's going to pan out yet um and I have I have the feeling that it's going to be uh yeah probably my biggest failure <laughs> is it because based on what you said regarding your 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 decision having a full-time job it's kind of Maybe it's too hard what I'm saying. It's to be unchained, a chain a little bit again. And, and you have made a lot of things in order to break these chains and make sure that you can control your your, your life. Or uh... Yeah, there, there is a little bit of that, but it's not, it's not the main factor. Um, the decision for me to go back to full-time employment is because it's been, it's been really hard for me on all levels in the past couple of years. I've been... Yeah, I've been keeping my head above water and taking care of my mental health, but it's been extremely hard from both personal work um, and I kind of needed to have a little bit more stability and, and really think about what comes next because I haven't had the time to think <laughs> mm -hmm. um, at all. And and I took this job with a great company, great people in New Zealand, but unfortunately the dynamic is changing because of um, the fun funding company, which is an overseas company. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it is, it is tying me to, to a big tree really. It's like, I feel tight and I'm someone who drives change and, and, and check things up. And right now I feel like I can't do that. And I'm, I'm working with really poor tools as well. And I haven't done, things manually for i don't know maybe 10 years and now I'm, I'm doing things manually and i hate every single thing about it <laughs> and the worst part is i can't change it because i can't make decisions change it and i'm no like way. oh my head is spinning so yeah and and it's a shame because i really want to help them so but you know i'm you know deep down i'm already out so and i know it <laughs> uh See. How do you how do you learn, uh, Alienor? How do, what what is your um, your I don't know if you have any process in if you have any particular way to to learn and continue to to grow. I mean uh, to elevate yourself to. Uh... Um, I don't know if I have a method. I think I'm just not afraid of trying new things. <laughs> okay. I think I think that's it. Right. That's. Um... I think what I see in the industry or everywhere is this people are used to do the same thing or that, you know, sometimes you, you meet people and they've been doing the same thing for 20 years and they don't want to change. Like me, I'm, I thrive <laughs> with change. I mean, maybe there's been a few too many changes in the past few years in my life, but, um, but I normally thrive with change. So I always try to look for the new angle, the new thing to do. Um, and, and just, always going further and i think that's that's how i learn as well you know trial and error and always pushing the boundaries it's yeah it's, it's probably yeah that's probably the answer <laughs> yeah that's not afraid of doing something new for me that's yeah. uh that's exactly uh, uh the way i am even though sometimes it's not easy and it's it's gonna confront with some of our internal um personal weakness or or instability yeah. but yes it's uh for me, uh, something new is just a, a, a slight movement, a slight momentum, and uh, that we need to to continue to pursue. Do not make any stop. You know, <laughs> say, oh, because something new, we have to stop and we have to look backwards. No, it's something that will be uh, difficult, and we have to make it slow eventually, or sometimes hard. Um, 
but we can make it. We have to be to to, to yeah. trust in ourselves. And and you know, if whoever is listening <laughs> doesn't doesn't believe, um, I come from the deep countryside, the furthest away from the sea you can think of in France, right? And I'm a sailor now, <laughs> right? Uh, when I took up sailing six years ago, I had no idea. I actually thought I would be terrible at it because I didn't understand the ocean, and I'm not a good swimmer. And uh, well, I'm, I'm getting there, but like, you know, I was afraid of the sea, right? And now I'm, I'm racing um, all the time and turns out I'm pretty good at it. So <laughs> it's, you know, so if you, if you don't take on things that take on new things in your life, you're never going to find out if you're good at it or at least not bad at it. <laughs> yeah, you could have been totally tried. afraid of that and then uh, never jump on a, on, a, on a boat at all. Yeah, yeah. Never try, never learn. And yeah. And how did you do that? How how did it happen that you 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 did your first sale? How did it? What was the the story about that? Uh, was so it's a story of a breakup. Um, <laughs> like every new thing I ever start in my life. Um, <laughs> no, we had we had this idea with my ex where we were gonna sail the world. So he comes. He's from Mallorca, and so we, you know. It, was born in the ocean, didn't really know how to sail, but he was a, a windsurfer anyway. So, you know, he understands the sea. And I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm an adventurer. I'll just, you know, come along. And then we broke up. Um, and I was like, hmm, but I had this dream, but I don't want to let it go. So, okay, I'll sign up for, for a sailing class. And I did. And I was completely hooked at the first class. Um I did um, a few classes and learned how to sail properly. And then I bought my first boat just straight after that. So <laughs> it was, yeah. Ah, yeah, you bought a boat directly after this. <laughs> yep. Yep. That the only boat way to do it sunk. is to do it. So in order to practice, you had to have your own boat, therefore. I did. I did. And this boat nearly sunk. Um, one day I was in Melbourne, actually, um, visiting the Europe car team. Um and then I received a call from, from my friend. I was like, your boat is, is sitting very low in the water. I was like, oh, okay. So I went to see it and there was water like almost to the top. It was, it was next to sinking. Anyway, it was a write-off. But thanks to the insurance money, I got to buy uh, my next boat, which was very much um, more in line with who I am, you know, faster, better. And yeah, so it was a, it was a very good story. It was very sad at the beginning, but then it turned out to be great. So. <laughs> if we if we um, we're, we're close to to the end now of our of our uh, discussion, and uh, if you look backwards, and uh, you said you are thirty five, right? Yeah, thirty three, thirty five. Huh? If you look yeah. backwards uh, at the time of a teenager, uh, when you were a teenager, what what kind of a advice you would give to uh, to Alienor now <laughs> to this little? Um, to this uh, teenager, age 15, 16, 18, I don't know. God, that wasn't a good time for me, 15. Um, I would say don't be so hard on yourself <laughs> and don't be afraid of being who you are always. That's nice. Okay. Don't be so hard. Ah, it has been, you have been mm -hmm. tough to yourself when you were younger. Yeah, well, you know, school school was hard for me because I've been bullied throughout my scholar years until I left Paris when I was 17. So it wasn't a very happy time. Um, 
I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still rebuilding that confidence. Um, you know, it's an everyday, an everyday battle. Um, so yeah. And so, yeah, I've always been hard on myself, every single thing I do. So yeah, that's definitely a very important one. And, and because of my sexuality as well, it's been difficult and, you know, living in a deep countryside, uh, yeah, it was hard to be who I was, who, you know, so who I am. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thanks for, for this, uh, <laughs> This moment, uh, uh, emotional I know it's not easy to wait, wait, wait a bit. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's uh, also to be able to, to, to share it like this. It's also a, a way to, uh, that you are feeling much more balanced with yourself, even though you said you are still fighting against your, your self confidence, uh, but still, um, uh, you're able yeah. to, to say it. And, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's nice. Yes. I really uh, take it. Thanks for this. Um, do you do you recommend any book that would be if you have one book to recommend that you love among among all you said that you sometimes you, you you like to lay down on the beach and and take a book uh what is the best book you would recommend to our audience oh, there are quite a few i would say one that um springs to mind at the moment is uh there's a story behind it, actually. I've read it a long time ago. And when I was made redundant back in February 2021, my good friend Lee sent me an audiobook um, mm -hmm. to cheer me up. And that book is called The Alchemist by um, Paolo Coelho. Um, ah, yeah, okay. You know that I one? Know it. And, and it, yeah, it, and it, it was... Um, it was very good at the time. So yeah, it's, you know, about self-exploration and, and, and adventuring. And, and I think it's a very powerful book. Yeah. I read this book also uh, when he did, uh, I think he did many times uh, the uh, Santiago de Compostela path, um, a pilgrimage. Uh, and yeah. uh, he wrote a book on that particular, on the, on the Spain part that he did. And that was not easy to, to read. I think you can, we, with Paulo Coelho, we can read it multiple times. And That's to right. learn new things and discover new things because it's a, it's not an easy book. <laughs> Paolo it is Coelho not. is not an easy writer. Uh, no. A lot of but actually, funnily enough, it was actually brilliant on an audio book. So it was it was oh, it was extraordinary. Um, I really enjoyed it um, in in this format. It was it was brilliant. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, do we? Do you, can we follow you somewhere on some, I don't know, social, social uh, networks? Do you have, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok eventually, or, or LinkedIn? I'm, I'm where, way where too old for TikTok. No, <laughs> I'm way too old for TikTok. I do not understand that this platform, but um, <laughs> maybe I should ask my nephew, my 19 year old nephew. Um, I, I do, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, uh, there won't be any revenue management things in there. Trust my photos of nature and wildlife. Sometimes myself, which I'm feeling more comfortable with nowadays. <laughs> um, uh, and the what's my name on Insta? Um, Alienor Photo NZ. Yeah. Okay, Alienor Photo NZ. I will put the, this on the comment. Yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn, but I don't really put anything in there. So yeah. <laughs> but we can contact you on LinkedIn eventually or on Instagram. Yeah, 100%. On there. Yes. yeah for, for the 
I've I had the chance to see uh, some of your pictures. I, I remember recently your trip in uh, in uh, French Polynesia in in, in Tahiti, uh, um, yeah. archipelago, and when you I, I saw your picture about the the, the whales uh, you have been uh, um, swinging with was just yeah. um, were just amazing. <laughs> I mean. That was absolutely unbelievable, and you made uh, such a. You, you do a very nice pictures as well on bad birds uh, that you see in uh, in New Zealand. So uh, yeah, really yeah. good. We see really see that you have an eye. <laughs> I don't know about the technique of the tools and stuff like that, but your eye is really uh, an artistic eye. Thank you. Um, I'm actually preparing. Uh, I mean, I've got a goal. I don't know if it's going to be next year or or this year or, or the next. But uh, I want to expose at the um, International Festivals of Wildlife in Montierrandère in France, which is uh, one of the biggest wildlife festivals in the world. Uh, funny enough, it's not far from where I'm from. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm preparing. I need. I need. A, I've got two pictures that are good, and I need um, ten more. So yeah, I'm going to be working hard um, to send the application um and the exhibition through before end of april i don't know if i'm going to be able to do it this year but if not it's going to be the next i'd, I'd love to to exhibit there and it's a kind of uh, you have to propose your, your 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 work and then the jury will will decide if you can uh present that's right yeah that's right and it's like uh yeah it's it's a lot of work so i want to call it uh, les ailes d'aotearoa um so the wings of aotearoa and it's all going to be about birds Okay. Um, the problem is that I've got like one really amazing shot of um, a cormorant or shag and um, I've got very good shots of a lot of other birds but not to that standard so now I need to work really really hard to have you know the other 11 shots as good as this one and it's going to be a stretch <laughs> but it's a good it's a good challenge. <laughs> That's good. I like. I like it. So hopefully uh, we'll see you in France, and uh, hopefully you will be uh, you will be uh, selected to uh, to um, to expose yeah. on this uh, on this show. So uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, thank you very much for this time. And and I, I know now it's already ten uh, thirty uh, p.m. Uh, New Zealand time. So thank you for this evening dedicated with uh, to 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 us and to our audience to. To share your experience and and trying to bring some uh, some learnings and inspiration. Hopefully, uh, uh, the, the 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 people who is listening to uh, will be will learn new things and uh, will know you, <laughs> and also mm -hmm. will uh, will take some on this for their own journey. And um, I wish you, uh, even though it's a bit three days early, I wish you a new great twenty three year and uh, <laughs> and uh, you will. Uh, Will fulfill all your um, your 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 expectations and uh, reconnect with who you are. Even though this parenthesis apparently <laughs> of your new job is not totally uh, exactly what you yeah. expect. So hopefully, twenty three will be um, a great new year for you. And you know, yeah, I'm hoping so too. I mean, it can't be worse than twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one, or even twenty twenty. I mean, I'm saying this every year, so it must be true. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for this time and uh, wish you a good evening and um, talk to you very soon, Eleanor. Yeah, thanks to you. Happy New Year and let's, yeah, let's talk next year. Merci, salut. Merci, salut. You reached the end of the Revenue Machine podcast. Give us five stars if you like it. That's the only way to be seen in the magma of podcasts. 
you can also forward this podcast to two other people you love. We Yield team is available to help car rental operators who are frustrated by the data they have and the data they would like to have, but also the one who wants to be guided along their review management transformation process. Contact us. Bye-bye.